Father God, what a powerful name it is, the name of Jesus. The name that you gave to the son that you sent to live the perfect life that we couldn't and die the death that we deserved. Lord, what an amazing grace that is. Lord, I ask that you be with Mike and his words today and be your words, not his. I pray that you bless us with the understanding of your word. Please be with those that aren't with us today. Help us take your word and apply it to our daily lives. Lord God, we just love you so much. We ask all these things and praise all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everyone, if you would, uh, Mike Pennington. <laughs> well, amen. Thank you so much. Uh, my microphone obviously is on. That is a good thing. Praise the Lord for that. Well, it is a tremendous joy and honor to be here with you to, um, uh, to preach the Word today. I am just excited about the, um, uh, what all God is doing in my life and what all God is doing in your lives. And so, we're um, um, uh, again, it's a privilege. I love Matt. I love your pastor. Uh, I think God has um, His hand on him in a special, special way. And it's, um, uh, it's just a joy to, to serve with him. He's now on our leadership team in the association. We call it the ministry development team, but that team actually develops ministries and missions and helps plant new churches. We, we've got a wide variety of, um, um, of responsibilities, and Matt is a tremendous, uh, he, he's got a great mind. I hope you know that. Uh, he is a tremendous thinker, uh, a clear thinker, and so I just appreciate him so much in the um, um, uh, as, as we work together as partners in the gospel. And it was really a, just a special privilege to get to know him personally in a deeper way when we went out to Colorado back at uh, uh, the end of March, uh, somewhere in that, uh, no, the, 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 I guess it was the end of January on the vision trip for the, uh, the Colorado mission. And so spending uh, four days with guys, uh, you really get to know them uh, at that time. And so it's just a, um, uh, I, I hope you realize what you have in your pastor, that he loves the Lord, he loves you, he loves to see people come to know Jesus, and he loves for, for people to grow in Christ. And so uh, I just counted a privilege to be invited here today and a privilege to serve with, uh, with your pastor. And so thank you for being here. Sometimes when the pastor is away, people kind of um, are a little less um, dedicated, I guess you could say, or a little less, um, uh, may, not, may not attend. They might find something else to do, but you didn't. You chose to be here today. And I want to talk to you today about the gospel, just about good news. I was telling Clint earlier, he and I often talk about this, how that it, it, I'm preparing in, in Gallatin, and he's preparing over here, and sometimes I get the worship team, my sermon topic and title and passage and this kind of thing before, uh, before Sunday, but it's, it's amazing how God puts it together because all of the songs, including the song that we'll do at the, um, at the end of the service, have been just tailored by God for this time together and for this, um, for this message, so, because we're just simply going to talk about good news. Now, think for a moment. What is the best news that you ever heard? And I'm talking about culturally, history, uh, uh, th this kind of thing. Obviously, the best news is hearing about Jesus and coming to know Him as Lord and Savior. But, but what's the, the best news that you ever heard? I wasn't born then, but 
the headlines at the end of World War II. I know that one was, you know, about this tall victory. That was great, great news. If you've had a son or daughter in the military and they've been deployed to Iraq or, or, or Afghanistan or Korea or wherever around the world, and when they touch down back in the United States and you got that call or text from them, I'm home, that was great, great news. We are all thirsty for good news. Well, there's no news greater than the fact that Jesus loves us. There's no news greater than the fact, as the title up there says, or in that just slide, justified freely by His grace. His grace surrounded us. His grace called us. And Jesus saved us because or saved us by His grace. And so today, um, in, in the book of 1 Peter, I believe it is, maybe it's 2 Peter, but right there at the very beginning, he said, I will not hesitate to remind you of those things I've already told you. And so this message today may be pretty simple, but I heard Adrian Rogers, a great preacher years ago, say that when preparing messages, some of us preacher boys ask him, how did he prepare? He said, well, I take a passage and I break it down into a really simple outline. And then I take it and I break it down even simpler. I break it down even simpler. And finally, I break it down to where it's so simple that I'm ashamed of it. And I preach it and people say it's profound. And so the simple truth of the gospel is profound. Amen. The simple truth. We need to be reminded of all of those things that God has told us. And so I think we have a danger of overcomplicating the Christian life. Karl Barth was a tremendous, tremendous theologian, uh, German theologian, and he wrote volumes and everything. And someone asked him one time, looking for just some spectacular answer, and said, Dr. Barth, what is the most profound truth you've ever discovered in your study of Scripture? And here was his response. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. So let's think about this morning, the love of Jesus. We're going to read a passage of Scripture that actually part of it's already been on the, on the screen this morning. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. And it's going to be on the screen. I'm not sure whether you can see that or not. But let's stand together and read this out loud if you can see it. Read this out loud in unison to the Lord this morning. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Father, bless the reading of Your Word. Bless the application of Your Word to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. The title of the message this morning is simply Forgiven and Free. Forgiven and Free. I want you to notice something. And by the way, if you've got your Bible, I wish you would open it to, to Romans chapter 5, even though we had it on the screen. Not all the verses from now on will be up there. We're looking at the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Forgiven and free. Go on to the next slide. 
faith brings peace. Verse 1 of, of Romans 5, 1, 5, 1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, did you realize the war with God is over? Can somebody shout or something? I mean, the war with God is over. The Bible says that at one time we were enemies of God. We were at enmity with Him. We were in conflict with Him. But according to the Word of God and on the, the, the authority of the Word of God, the Bible says faith brings peace. Faith brings peace in my heart. The war with God is over. Do you know what religion is? Religion is man trying to please God in one way or another. Christianity is a relationship. Say that with me. Christianity is a relationship. You see, God came looking for us. The Bible says even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why? God commended His love toward us. He demonstrated His love toward us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you look at Islam and study that, you'll discover pretty quickly that there are five things that you've got to do. You've got to go to Mecca. You've got to pray five times a day. There's, there's five things. It's man seeking to appease God. Jesus says, I love you. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus said, if you come unto me, I will in no wise cast you out. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, I'll come in to you, and we'll have fellowship together. Jesus didn't give us five rules that we have to obey in order to get to Him. You take Hinduism, or you take, um, uh, or, or you take Buddhism, and there's principles and all of it. It's, it's all of it is man trying to get himself pleasing to God. But my Bible says, and so does yours, that God has given us peace. Therefore, since we have been justified with, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, don't ever, ever let it get old to hear that. Don't ever, ever take that for granted. Don't ever just think that, wow, okay, well, that's good. Uh, thank you, Lord. I appreciate it. No, it is a, a, a powerful truth that we need to understand every day. But that's not all. There's number two. I want you to understand that faith brings access. The next slide will mention that. Faith brings access. Access to what? Verse 2 says, through him, again, we've been justified by faith. We've got peace with God. We have obtained access by faith into this grace. Access to grace. Grace is God treating us better than we deserve. Do you treat your spouse that way? Hope so. Do you treat your kids that way? Kids, do you treat your parents that way? better than they deserve. That's what grace really is. It's treating someone better than we deserve. And when we come into the grace of God, when we understand the grace of God, God does something powerfully in our hearts and lives that, 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 that it, it just it changes all of our relationships when we realize that we receive grace, but we also need to be giving grace away. There's another sub-point there. We, faith brings access to joy and hope and the glory of God. It's mentioned there at the last part of, um, of verse 2. We've obtained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and rejoice in the hope in hope in the glory of God. When the Bible uses the word hope, it's not like we would say, well, I hope it'll rain today. 
Today, of course, we hope it won't rain so we can do our out time, outside stuff and maybe tomorrow. We, you know, we, we hope we get a raise or we hope we, uh, we, we can move to a better house or something like that. Those are wishes. You know, we would like for that to happen. But when the Scripture talks about hope, it's a firm, secure thing that Jesus is coming again and will be resurrected with, with, with Him if we've already gone, uh, uh, gone to be with the Lord. God gives us a tremendous, tremendous amount of hope. And so just think about that, that we are forgiven and we are free. Now I want you to look at the next slide. As we think about forgiven and free, there's, there's three tenses to salvation. Say those three words with me, not the whole sentences, but there's justification. Say that. Justification, sanctification, glorification. Justification means that I have been saved. Verse 1, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The war with God is over. I have peace with God. I have been saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification says I am being saved from the power of sin. That is, I grow in Christ. Um, sometimes we talk about what God's will is. Oh, what's God's will for my life? I can boil it down real simply into the fact that God wants you to, mature, to grow into maturity in Jesus Christ. That's what sanctif sanctification is. I'm being saved. I am being transformed by the glory of God, by the, the grace of God, by the presence of God in my life. So justification, I have been saved from the penalty of sin. Sanctification, I am being saved from the power of sin. And glorification, that's when we get to heaven, I will be saved from the very presence of sin. No sin in heaven. No, no more failure. No more messing up. And so there's the three tenses of salvation. I have been saved. I'm being saved. And I will be saved eventually. And so sometimes, and so all of us right now, we're in the process of sanctification. We are growing in Christ, hopefully. We've been saved, and then, but in sanctification, in daily life, sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get a little beaten up by the world. Uh, maybe the devil throws an obstacle in our path, and we, we trip over it, and this kind of thing. And what happens in this process of sanctification as we are growing in Christ, we can begin, you know, sometimes even to doubt our salvation. Well, did it really happen? I mean, I really messed up. I want you to, I almost said, if you don't hear anything else I say today, hear this. But really, I've got about 10 more good things to say. And so, so, so I'm not meaning this as the ultimate, ultimate. But there's something that happens Maybe it's because of our culture, our performance-oriented culture. I, I don't know, but we have a tendency too many times to look at the Bible, and we kind of develop something I would call biblical moralism. And so even though we don't have five rules or principles like, uh, like, like, the, like Islam, and we don't have the, the, the Buddha things that, that we have to do and all that, it, we, we, kind of, we kind of develop a biblical moralism. It goes something like this. Um, Moses, we tell stories about Moses, and Moses served God and led his people, and so we ought to serve God and be a blessing to other people. And we try and try, and we're just not very good at it, maybe, and we, 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 don't me we, we, we can't, uh, can't measure up. Or we look at David, and we teach our children that David was brave. He went out and fought Goliath, so we should be brave and, 
and courageous, and we try and try. We can't be brave like, like David. And so we, we, were, we kind of are, have taken the Bible and boiled it down to some stories, and sometimes those stories are disconnected. Why was David brave? Because his confidence was in the Lord God. He said, I'm coming in against you in the name of the Lord, our Lord uh, God, creator of heaven and earth. And he took a, son, a rock and, and killed that giant. It wasn't because David was brave. It was because God was great. And God rescued his people. Go back to the book of Genesis with me for just a moment in your minds. And sin came into the world. But after sin came into the world, what did God promise? He promised a rescuer. One would come who would, uh, that, that you will bruise his heel, but he'll crush your head, crush the head of the servant. Jesus crushed the head of the serpent on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's another good place to shout, okay? That's what happened. And so you see, David was brave not because of, 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 of just how, how courageous he was. He was because of God in him, and he was a picture of the deliverer. He was a picture of the rescuer. Moses, when he went and stood before Pharaoh, it wasn't Moses standing there. It was God, God through, through Moses. Moses had his courage and his service and his leadership and all of that because of God. And it's all, every story in the Scripture is connected to Jesus in one way or another because it's leading us to the Redeemer, leading us to the one who is our rescuer. And so we don't want to stay in the, we don't want to get in the pit in this sanctification time and, and think, well, I'm, I'm just not getting it or I'm not, I'm not moving forward. I don't know what, uh, what to do next. Well, here's what you do next. Remember the first verse we read. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Flash up the next slide. Here's the next verse I want us to read. Romans 8. Keep going. Ah, thank you. Romans 8, chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I'll just read this for you. You don't have to read it out loud uh, with me. Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I heard at least one amen. Can somebody else? Uh, there is now no condemnation. No condemnation. Say that with me. No condemnation. To who? For those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Say that with me. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Folks, we're going to mess up. And if I were to guess this morning, I would imagine that someone has come in here today feeling pretty guilty about something. Not going to give any examples. You can, you can, you know what you're, you know where you might have messed up, and maybe it was not something recent, but maybe there's something that happened in your past, and you've got a huge burden of shame over that, and you think, if I really know Jesus, how could I have done that? And we just feel so, so dirty and just so, so shameful. If you're around me very uh, much, and I, I don't do it, obviously, when I'm preaching, uh, usually, because I'm not usually attacked in this way when I'm preaching, but sometimes I'll be in a small group or whatever, and, and you'll just see me, and I'll just kind of shake my head, something like that. I'm not disagreeing with who is talking. <laughs> I, sometimes even in church, because it comes on me in church. If somebody else is preaching, I, I'll, I, you know, what happens is that a memory will flash, 
And I remember a great failure. Folks, why do, those, why do we carry that shame when the Bible says there's now no condemnation? And the Bible says the war with God is over. The Bible says that I'm justified by faith in Jesus Christ and I have peace with God. The war is over. Why do those things come? Well, we have an enemy. There are two or three reasons why they come. We have an enemy. The Bible says, Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. What's the obstacle to that, to that abundant life? Part of it is the enemy. He won't let you forget what happened. My wife has a dear friend, and you'll probably never meet her, so I'm not betraying any confidences here. But this, my, my, my wife's friend went through a divorce, a very messy divorce. It may be 20 years ago, but my wife said it's, it's like she still wears, carries around the letter D on her forehead or something. Just, she she just, just feels still so, so, so guilty over that or so whatever. And God has forgiven that. Past, present, and future, our sins are forgiven. Yet we've messed up. I heard a guy say one time, you know, if you knew truly everything that I'd ever done and, 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 and truly my heart, you wouldn't let me in the pulpit. And he said, but don't look so smug, we wouldn't let you in the pulpit either, you know. <laughs> and so, and so you, would, you would definitely say that about me if you knew everything, all of the failure and all of the shame that I have carried. But folks, when you see me shake my head, it's because I'm saying, get out of here, devil. <laughs> that is forgiven. Yes, I messed up. I was wrong. I failed my wife. I hurt her terribly, or I did this, or I did yeah, yeah. That that it's a given that that happened, but it's also a given that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Jesus died for that sin. He loves me, and He has come into my life, and now I am a new creation in Christ. Say that with me. I'm a new creation in Christ. Say it. I'm a new creation in Christ. Again, I'm a new creation in Christ. If you know Jesus, you're a new creation in Christ. Doesn't mean you didn't mess up in the past. Doesn't mean you might not mess up in the, in the future. But you are His child. He, you are His, and He is yours. Go on to the next slide. So I just need to ask you a question. Are you living your birthright? We are born to be free, forgiven and free. There's no condemnation. We're justified by Christ. We have peace with God. Are you living your birthright? And so just simply again, we're justified by faith. We trust in what He did. We're uncondemned and set free in Christ. And sometimes we have a disconnect with that, and it goes back to that biblical moralism that we, we, we try and try Here's another one of those bullet points I hope you'll write down or at least imprint in your mind. Jesus didn't come to help you turn over a new leaf. He came to give you a new life. Amen? Jesus didn't come to help you turn over a new leaf. He came to give you a new life. Have you ever met somebody who says, well, I, I would trust Christ, but there are these things I need to straighten out first. You see, that's new leaf thinking. Let me turn over a few new leaves and I'll be ready. It's like they're trying to get good enough for Jesus to accept them. What does the Bible say about that? There's none righteous, no, not one. 
There's none that seeketh after God. That's just an excuse. They, they just are not ready. They they've not, are not willing to accept Christ. Folks, we don't ever get good enough. If I'd waited till I was good enough, I, I, you know, you, you're just never, never going to get there. Get over the excuses. Don't let the disconnect happen. Remember I was talking to you about the devil a few minutes ago. Why is that burden of shame so, 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 so devastating? Well, he wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your effectiveness. He would kill your, he would take you, destroy your very life if we'll let him. But I choose to trust Christ. Go on to the next slide. Hopefully you can see this. Uh, dim the lights a little bit so it'll be very, very clear. This is who you are. The word justification, we are justified by faith in Christ. When Christ died on the cross, Christ's righteousness was credited to us. Now, did we do anything to deserve that? Could we earn it? Could we buy it? Could we turn enough flips to get it? Jesus died on the cross, and his righteousness has been credited to us. And it just overwhelms me to think that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me, and he now wants to, makes me the righteousness of God in Christ. I, I don't understand it. I can't explain it, but I know it happened based on the Word of God and my experience and the experience of others of following and loving the Lord Jesus Christ. What happened to our guilt and shame? It was transferred to Jesus. That shame you're still carrying around, Jesus died for that. He covered it with his blood. And whatever letter you might be wearing around on you and, and thinking that you are, are still dirty and slimy, you see, shame, guilt can be okay. Guilt is good. Godly guilt leads us to repentance. But shame, shame is saying, not that you did something wrong, is saying you are dirty. You are slimy. And you'll never get any better. Folks, that's a lie from the enemy. If you are in Christ, his righteousness has been credited to us. The Bible uses the word imputed. It was placed upon us, not because we'd earned it, not because we deserved it, not because we could purchase it, not because we could do enough good, good deeds. He did it. Because that's who he is. Our God is a God of love. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. That's who we are. And so don't um, um, remember that sometimes we, we, we get the disconnect because of the enemy. Sometimes it's shame and the, the enemy uses shame. Sometimes it's our culture of performance. We, um, we, 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 if we don't go to work tomorrow and we don't go for four or five days, they may fire us, right? You know, we got to show up on time. We got to do our job and, and all this. And we have, you know, chores that the kids are supposed to do in order to get their allowance or whatever. We, we have this performance culture. But folks, salvation, justification is not based on performance except the performance of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the one who went to the cross and he is the one who died. Let's go to the next slide. And so now we are justified and uncondemned. We're forgiven and free. Say that. I'm forgiven and free. Let's say that again with a little more conviction. I am forgiven and free. The next time a shameful memory 
comes into your heart and life. Learn to do what I've done. Or I've got another friend who, who, who does, he'll do this. It means he's brushing it off. You know, he's, you know, learn to shake your head. And, no. Yes, that may have happened, but no, that's not who I am. Don't let your failures identify you. Your identity is in the Lord Jesus Christ. You are forgiven and free. Say it again. I am forgiven and free. And so when those shameful memories come, don't let them in. Shake your head. Do whatever you can because I am forgiven and free. Next point. I'm not only forgiven and free. I am in the process of sanctification. So I'm going to be I'm going to be uh, patient with that. Go on to the third one because these two really are connected. I'm in the process of sanctification. And this sanctification time, it's a time of, um, uh, it's a time of discipline, but not punishment. Say this, Jesus already died for my sin. One more time, Jesus already died for my sin. Sometimes something bad may happen. To you, maybe car wreck, let's just say that. Nobody got hurt, but just, you know, the, the car was really messed up. And maybe the thought comes into your mind, well, God is punishing for some, me for something. You know, I, I did this, or I I'm, I'm still don't have the scales balanced. Folks, that is not gospel. You know, I told you at the beginning of the message today, this is about good news. This is about gospel. This is about good news that Jesus already died for everything in my, uh, in my life. And so, so you know, if, if, you, uh, if you came in today, you begin to think about, okay, well, what, what um, um, <clears throat> in the process of, of, uh, of, of this sanctification, is, is, am I being punished? No. I really, God's not punishing us. Where did the punishment for our sin go? Went on Jesus. It went on Jesus. Now, God does discipline. Re Hebrews chapter 12 talks about that, that for, for, for the, uh, the, the, the son that he loves, he disciplines in order that we might produce what? A peaceable fruit of righteousness, a good crop in our, uh, in our lives. And those verses that we read uh, earlier, we've not really um, uh, mentioned them uh, that much, but it says that, um, well, let me get back over to that, to that scripture where it talks about not only that, we rejoice in sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endures character and character hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. The most important word in that verse, those verses there in um, Romans chapter 5 are knowing that. Knowing that tribulation produces patience. Over in James chapter 1, and we know, well, actually, let's go to Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. Do you know the most important words in that whole, the, those, those verses? It's, and we know. Romans 5, James chapter 1, and there's one other that I wanted to, um, um, uh, well, in Romans 8, 28, and then James, James chapter 5, that we are knowing we are knowing. We've come to know Him. And the only way, folks, that you're going to get rid of those shameful memories, and they may still come back. Mine still come back. I just don't, re I don't receive them. I refuse them. And I'm not going to wallow around in a pit of shame because that totally takes me out of the, um, uh, out of the context of ministry of what God is wanting to do in my life. 
And I want to read the rest of Romans 8, 28 through 30 this time. For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now, of those three tenses of salvation, which one would that be? Sanctification. We've been justified. Now we're growing to become like the Lord Jesus. And listen to what it says. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And so Paul has given us the three tenses of salvation, justification, sanctification, glorification, all right there within those three verses. I have been saved, and I'm being saved. And so, folks, be patient during this being saved. In fact, there was a little button that people used to get and had just a bunch of letters on it, and the letters stood for this. Please be patient. God is not finished with me yet. Amen? Please be patient. God's not finished with me yet, and He's not finished with you yet. Be patient with yourself, but get into the Word, fellowship with believers, spend time with God in prayer. The deeper you know Him, the more these truths are going to be understood in your life, that you have been saved from the penalty of sin. You're being saved from the power of sin, and one day you will be saved. You will be saved from the very presence of sin. God is doing that. What does um, Philippians 1, 6 say? Being confident of this very thing. See the word knowing up there? Knowing. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Knowing that the testing of my faith will make me stronger. And I know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. For those He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. James, for you know that the testing of your faith produces patience. And you read James chapter 1 sometime when you've got, uh, when you've got time. Folks, you've got to know some stuff. You've got to be convinced of it. Deep in your soul, understanding that I know that I know that I know that I know the Lord. And I know that I know that I know that I'm forgiven, that I don't have to walk around in guilt and shame and, and, and destructive attitudes and destructive behavior. God has done something in me that I could not do for myself. And finally, I want to give us some walking points. What should we do with the, um, a message like this? First of all, Rest in the forgiveness and freedom that you have in Christ. Just rest in it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me. So just rest. <sighs> just take a deep breath and just, oh, thank God. Thank God it's not up to me to get to heaven. Thank God it's not up to me to be a good husband. Jesus in me can be a good husband and hopefully helps me to do that. <sighs> Thank God that it's not my performance, but it's all about His grace. Rest in His forgiveness and the freedom you have in Christ. Number two, walk in obedience to Him and His power. Some might hear a message like this and think, okay, and, and Paul addresses this in Romans 6. Well, if everything I've you know, done has, you know, past, present, and future is forgiven, I'm justified. Well, I, I guess I can just sin and not worry about it. Paul says, heaven forbid. Uh, and uh, I think I know y'all well enough that I can. Uh, somebody said that, that that was the closest Paul ever came to cussing in Scripture. 
when he said heaven forbid is like saying hell no. Now that probably got your attention. Paul says heaven forbid. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, that, that, that's not it at all. Ephesians 2 verse 8 through 10 says, and for by grace are you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Even the faith to put your to trust Christ was given to you. It's the gift of God, not of works, so that no man can burst can boast. But always quote verse 10 along with it. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Yeah, I do good works. I, I am kind, and I am hopefully brave, and I do serve and all of this. But it's not to get to heaven. It's because I'm on the way to heaven, and I want to take others with me. You see, folks, I walk in obedience to him in his power. I, 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 I seek to, do, to be obedient and do good things because I love him, not because I fear him. Now, a healthy fear of God is okay. You know, that, 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 the, the Scripture teaches that. But it's not, I, 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 what I'm saying here is, is I'm not afraid that you know, God's going to strike me with a lightning bolt if I mess up, like when I said H-E double hockey stick. No, a minute ago. You know, he didn't. You know, I'm, I'm not. God loves me. I rest in his forgiveness, but I walk in obedience so that I'll become more like Jesus. And so, again, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And so when you're asked to work in the children's ministry or you're asked to help with a bake sale or you're asked to be a chaperone on a youth trip like when they go to Passion, uh, usually 1st of January or something like that, see, th those are good things, but you're not doing that to earn your way to heaven. You're doing that because you love Him and you're walking in Him. And number three, we continue to work out our salvation. We are filled with Him and we grow in Him. And that, those verses there, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation in fear and trembling. Well, that's kind of ominous, <laughs> in fear and trembling. But going to verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We are justified by faith. Amen. You with me? The war with God is over. Hallelujah. Sanctification. I'm growing to become more like the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm walking in obedience to Him. And I'm filled with Him and I grow in Him. When it says work out your salvation with fear and trembling, it's not saying work for your salvation. It's not saying earn your way to, to, um, uh, to heaven. The fear and trembling here is that God has made a deposit in my life of the Lord Jesus Christ, His very life. Paul said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that we have this treasure in earthen vessels, and He wants to shine through these earthen vessels to, uh, to the world. And so He's made this incredible deposit, and I don't, it, it's a fear of failure. It's a, fear, it's a fear of not growing to my potential. It's a fear of not being all that He's called me to be. I want to be all that He's called me to be. Will we ever reach sinless perfection? Now, we live in a broken, fallen world, and we are broken uh, human beings. It's, but I do, we can't be sinless. I do believe that we can sin less. Amen? Yeah, or oh me. Sometimes we just choose to be angry or be gossipy or whatever. Folks, we can sin less 
because his power lives within us. And so those are your walking points. Rest in him, walk in obedience to him, and grow in him in fear and trembling. Not that you're scared of him, but that you, oh, you want with all, every fiber in your being to be all that God has called you to be. Father, we come to you now. And Lord, as we think about the gospel, hopefully these people today have heard good news. They've heard good news that Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And the war with God is over, and that I'm being made like Christ. Oh, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. And Lord, right now we're about to enter into a moment of communion. What a beautiful expression of your grace. You said, Lord, as often as you do this, remember me. Lord, we've been remembering you and your sacrifice all during this service. And right now, we're going to remember you in a special way as we take this, uh, take this communion, uh, these elements to um, remind us again of your broken body and shed blood for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. And we pray, Father, that you would do in us right now all you want to do. In the precious and holy name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask the communion team to come up to be ready to distribute the, uh, the elements. There's two cups here. One has the juice, and then the, on the bottom is the one that has the, the little wafer. So, so take two, and you separate them uh, gently. And so just go ahead and begin passing those out. And then I'll have a comment before we, before we take the, um, the communion elements in just a moment. As you're waiting for the um, communion elements to pass by you, just listen for a moment. In the book of Luke, when um, Jesus was approaching the Lord's Supper, he begins with these uh, words. He says, I have eagerly desired to have this supper with you. Did you know that Jesus is excited about what we're about to do? He really is. He eagerly desires to meet with us in communion. Communion means fellowship. It means, like Revelation 3 says, that he's standing at the door and knock. Behold, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and we'll have fellowship together. He eagerly desires to have this. To have this time with us. Wait just another moment. The Bible also talks about, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, talks about examining ourselves, to not take the Lord's Supper unworthily. 
And this morning I mentioned several times the word guilt, the word shame. We're going to just take a moment here and pray. And if you walked in with a bunch of shame, just say, I'm forgiven and free. And we're going to pray in just a moment and just, you just with your head bowed say, God, thank you for forgiving all of that. Thank you that I can have fellowship with you. Maybe God might put on your heart a relationship that needs to be restored. And so after, you know, commit to him, Lord, I, I promise that I'll, I'll take care of this. Let's pray. And you take to him anything you need to take so that we can take the Lord's Supper in a joyful and powerful way. Lord, we come to you. And Lord, we just want to thank you again that we are forgiven and free. And so, Lord, if anyone came in today with a boatload or maybe even just a little wagon load of shame, I pray that they'll lay it down and give it to you and realize that all of our guilt and all of our shame was transferred to Jesus on the cross. Hallelujah, Lord. We, we, uh, it's unbelievable. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so, Lord, now as we come to the Lord's Supper, come to take the elements of the Lord's Supper, let us do that, Lord, with joy and excitement and understanding that you're excited for us to do this this morning because we're remembering you and your sacrifice on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Paul says, For I received from the Lord that which I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Let's take the bread. In the same manner, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And listen what it says. You see, there's several stages of communion. There's invitation. He invites us. There's participation. But there's also proclamation. For as often as you eat this drink... Eat this bread and drink this cup. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We have just proclaimed the Lord's death until he comes, the death, resurrection, and second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all that you're doing and have done in our hearts and lives. And we just thank you, Lord, for the, 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 the simple message of the cross, the simple message of grace, that we are now forgiven and free. In Jesus' name. Amen.